Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Anyone tired of Christmas yet? I know Jonathan was like, it's this mini season. It's like, right, right? It's this mini season where you started shopping. Traffic in Murfreesboro is ridiculous. I was meeting with a church planner yesterday, and he moved here during COVID, and he heard everyone complaining about um, Murfreesboro traffic. And he moved from Temecula, California, and he was like, well, what are people talking about? Like, Traffic in California is way worse than traffic in Murfreesboro. And yesterday he told me, he said, I was way wrong. Traffic in Murfreesboro is way worse than traffic in California because there's master planning in California. They're thinking ahead, and Murfreesboro has just grown so fast that they can't keep up. And he's like, man, it's going to get bad. <laughs> but his, so here's what we need. We're starting a new series today called Missing Peace because in the midst of all of this, we need peace as we roll into the Christmas season with our shopping lists and you know to-do lists. And everyone's making Christmas wish lists right now, right? Um, a list of, of wants and needs and, and things that we want. I didn't realize I needed to put on my Christmas wish list a water pump and tires for my van. So just found that out this week. I should have told Santa, hey, can you help a brother out, right? And so, but we, we make these lists, Christmas lists. Millie, my youngest daughter, has already moved past her Christmas list and is working on our birthday list. Her birthday is in June. <laughs> I'm like, babe, can we just get through Christmas? But we, we have these different lists, and, and, and maybe you have wish lists that aren't Christmas-related, but, but maybe they're... They're, they're, they're a list of things that you would like to have, whether it's, it's more money, whether it's certain toys, whether it's abs or hair, right? And maybe you have some list of things that you want to do and, you know, some vacations and adventures and trips you want to take. Maybe you want, you know, you're, you're wanting to get married, you're wanting to have a baby, you're wanting to change jobs. You have these things that you want to do. And then maybe you have a become list. It's, it's you want to become a better husband. You want to become a better a father, a better wife, better, better student, better follower of Jesus. And so we have these separate lists in our mind, whether we write them down. I know some of you may be list makers, and, and my wife is one of those that makes lists of her list to ensure that she follows her lists, right? And, and that's not me. Like, I don't write anything down because I write it on a sticky note. And guess what I do with a sticky note? I lose it, right? And so, but you may have a list of these things that you want to do, things that you want to have 
things that you want to become. And, and if, if, if we were honest, if those wishes were fulfilled, there would still be some emptiness there. This past week, we were sitting around the dinner table, and it was me and my daughters, and just conversation starters. If you could have one wish right now, and it was granted, what would it be? And my 15-year-old my in typical teenage fashion said to move out of Tennessee. It's like, but Tennessee's so incredible. But I remember when I was a teenager, I just wanted to get out of Tennessee. Guess where I live? Tennessee, right? And so my seven-year-old in typical teenage or seven-year-old fashion, she was like, if, I want to become a mermaid every time I touch water. <laughs> typical. If I could just have one wish, Dad, <laughs> every time I touch water, I want to become a mermaid. And then my 11-year-old, just atypical, she was like, Dad, I just want world peace. I just and and so that's not typical, but that's also coming from from a when she was a seven eight year old, she wanted a compassion child for her birthday that she could sponsor every month. So she's not normal, right? But she's asking, and, and really, if we were to look at our life, we may not realize it, we may not can put it into words. She's right. We want peace. We could have a full bank bank account, but have an empty heart. Maybe some of us have gotten the job of our dreams and we didn't realize it was going to completely consume our life and all of our energy. And maybe you finally got that relationship that you were looking for and, and you're realizing that it's not God's best for you. Maybe you got into the school and, and, and you're realizing that what you wanted has now been fulfilled, but it is not fulfilling and there's something missing. Or maybe we're in the season and it's like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Last week, that was my world. We had to put a water pump on the van, and then I found out I needed four new tires, and my youngest was sick, and so it was like, God, anything else? But I didn't say that because I know when I say that, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's some more. But maybe that's you, and it's not trivial like that, and, and maybe there is some just really severe like things going on in your life that are just weighing you down and 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 you try to look to these things to fulfill it but really you can't describe it um, but what we're missing and what we're desiring is peace that the peace is the missing peace and so I want us to look today as, as, as we go into this series we're going to look today at, at I believe we have peace missing in a few areas, and sometimes we may have peace missing with him, peace missing with God. We'll look at that today. Next week, we'll look at missing peace within, missing peace with them, those around us, and missing peace with when. And as a pastor, you have to have things rhyme and make sense, right? I knew I grew up listening to rap music for a reason, all right? <laughs> but, but before we can get to peace within, before we can have peace with them, those around us, or before we can begin to make peace with when, in the past where we failed, or in the past where God let us down, or in the future where we're worrying, before we can find peace in any of those, we have to come to a place where we have peace with him, where we have peace with God. And, and we see this, it's the part of the promise this holiday season is supposed to bring peace. And today is the second Sunday of Advent, and Chris shared this morning that that it's on this Sunday that we would be lighting the peace candle and you may even have some ornaments at your house on your tree that have the word peace. You may have some, some fancy Christmas decoration sign that, that has in calligraphy peace with the nativity scene under it, right? You've got that in your house, but 
maybe in your heart and in your house, that is the furthest thing. Maybe in your heart and in your house, there's tension. In your heart and in your house, there's, there's anxiety, there's worry, there's animosity. There's just all kinds of things that is not um, coinciding with the peace that you want to see in your life. And when we look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and Churches all across the country right now, all across the world, are reading the Christmas story, and, and we see that this is a declaration of what Christ's birth was supposed to bring in our life in Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 14, and we'll read several passages here, but I want us to, to visualize what's taking place here because we read it so much in black and white. And the writer Luke says, suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them. He's talking about the shepherds that are in the field. It said, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of, Lord's, of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And it's in this moment, and I was reading this, this week it says that the angel appeared among them. And, and when we've seen the children's plays or, or even seen the reenactments, it's always like the angel is in the sky, right? Floating in the air. But just imagine the shepherds are there and the angel appears among them. That means he was standing with them declaring peace. And there's not going to be any peace in my heart in that moment. There's probably going to be pee in my pants in that moment, if I were to be honest. And it's not just one angel that shows up. But then he is then um, visited and, and come together with a host of other angels around. And so the shepherds in this moment are completely surrounded by God's presence and God's glory in this moment, declaring that God's peace has been brought to you on this day. And so I got to doing a little digging and, and where the angel says the glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased and what essentially is being said here is that you break it down, and the, ori the origination of this is says, peace comes to the recipient of God's grace. When it says peace on earth to those whom God is pleased, and so you want to read that and think that well, it's, it's only if, like, if, if I'm doing well, if God is pleased with me, if I'm hitting all the marks, then am I going to receive God's peace. But when you dig, and what the original translation is actually saying is that, that peace is given to those who have received God's grace. And we look at this word grace in the Greek, it means unmerited favor. It means you didn't do anything to merit it. You didn't do anything to deserve this favor. It was just given to you. It's his unconditional love towards a person who doesn't deserve it. And he's saying, look, peace is coming to those who don't deserve it. Peace is coming to those who have God's grace, who have received God's unconditional, undeserved love. And so when you look we should be walking in peace because it is connected directly to God's unconditional love. So just as we receive, we don't earn God's love. 
If you've been attending church at all, you've heard this. You may not have received it and accepted it and owned it, but God's love for you is not conditioned on anything that you do or I do. It's unconditional, and, and, and it's all conditioned on what he has already done. And so when we look at receiving this unconditional love, at the same time, we are receiving that peace because peace comes to those who receive God's unconditional and undeserved love. It's not something we can earn or work towards. And this is actually, as the angels are showing up and, and proclaiming this, they're actually fulfilling a prophecy that was made by the prophet Isaiah. And when you look at the book of Isaiah, it's almost like the trailer for the New Testament. Right? Anybody ever like got in a wormhole lost on YouTube and you're just watching trailers for movies to come in 2022? Right? And like you just like it just pops up. You're like, oh, I'll check that out. And then another one pops up. Well, Isaiah is that trailer for what was to come. And and there are so many prophecies and, and things that were written that came true. And just just about Jesus, there were somewhere, depending on, on who you read, somewhere around 20 different prophecies about Jesus just in Isaiah that have come true. And, and um, Chris in our morning huddle read this one, and he was like, hey, man, get out of my stuff. I was like, I had it first, right? This was actually Isaiah wrote this down before either one of us thought about it. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says his government and its peace will what? Never end. And we just finished up talking about kingdom culture and God's culture and, 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 and God's kingdom. And that when we look and we are a part of his kingdom, we should be walking in a never-ending peace because the peace of his government, his reign, his rule is unending. But what happens is we try to insert our reign, our rule, our authority, and that's when the, priest, the, 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 the peace gets broken down. He says that he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and what Isaiah is really doing here, guys, is he is declaring and defining the nature of God, that he is the wonderful counselor. He is our guide. He is our wisdom. He is our clarity, that, that he is the mighty God, that he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the ultimate authority, that everything stops with him, everything starts with him. And it says that he is the everlasting Father, and if you think about a loving, and I know we, we all haven't had that experience and, and that opportunity in our life, but just to imagine what it would be like to have an everlasting Father that cares, that protects, that embraces, that loves unconditionally, that lines up with the Prince of Peace. And, and as I was thinking about that, and I read the line, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, I got to thinking about the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I know it's not a Christmas story, but, but as you go back and you read it and you process it, and it's, it's not just a, a story about a son who is lost, but it is about a father that is everlasting. It is about a father that is everlasting and is waiting for his son to return. And if you know the story, there, was, there were two sons. 
And one morning, the youngest son wakes up and he goes to his father and he says, Dad, I want all that is mine. I want my half of the inheritance and I want it now. And so essentially what the son is saying is, is he doesn't desire his father, but he desires his father's things. And you know how you receive an inheritance? When the father dies. And so when you break that down and you think about it, really what the son was saying is he's like, Father, I, I wish you were dead. I know that's heavy to think about, but, but by saying I want what is mine, my inheritance, and I know that the only way for me to get that is for you to pass on, well, you know what? I would rather have my stuff than have you. And so the father doesn't argue. He doesn't fight. He doesn't, he doesn't try to convince the son to stay. He divides his inheritance and gives the portion to the younger son. And when you read it, the son doesn't leave just then. He stays around for a little while, sometime after. And I was reading that thinking like, like what is that family like dynamic like at that point? The father has just turned over half of his inheritance and the son is still there preparing to leave. And so the father is watching his son prepare to leave. I can't imagine how brokenhearted the son must have been or the father must have been in that moment knowing that the son that he loves is about to leave. And so if you know the story, the son leaves and he takes his fortune and, and he spends it all on wild living and whatever that was in that day, you know, fast cars, fast women, fast money, right? <laughs> fast camels, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, right? But he, but he spends it, spends it quick. And then he says he has nothing left and a famine comes and he's starving. And he's starving and so he goes to work for a farmer just taking care of the pigs, feeding the pigs to slop, or feeding slop to the pigs. And, and if you've ever seen that, it's not something you want to eat, right? It's leftovers. It's what you scrape off in the garbage can after your meal. But for some reason, my youngest one, when she was younger, she enjoyed eating out of the garbage can. I don't know if it's because it was easy to get to, but it's not something you and I would do. But, but he saw the slop, and he was like, I'm so hungry I could eat that. And then I love this line in, in the passage that says, and he came to himself. And he realized that his servants at his father's house had it better than he did. And he thought, if I can just go back to my father's house, maybe I can at least be one of his servants. And, and, and we'll pick up in verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, not to the son, but to the servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger. Bring sandals, put it on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost and now he was found. So they began to celebrate. I want to point out just a couple of things in this. I was talking with Jonathan this week and, and you may have heard the prodigal term and a lot of times we associate it with being lost, but prodigal doesn't actually mean lost. It means to spend extravagantly or wastefully, to spend riches extravagantly or wastefully. And so we look at this as the son taking his inheritance and spending it all wastefully and quickly, extravagantly. But then we can also look at the father, and the father did the exact same thing that he took his riches and gave it to his son recklessly and extravagantly. 
and the son spent it all. And then when the son came back, what did he do? He took the finest robe and the ring and the sandals and took more riches, more wealth, and surrounded his son with it. He didn't say, where have you been? He didn't say, what have you done? He didn't say, where's my money? He didn't say, you'll have to pay it back. He didn't say, there's going to be some ground rules for you to come back home. He simply opened his arms and embraced him and welcomed him home. And, and, and I, I want you to put your place just for a moment in the place of the son. Because he had everything that he thought would bring him peace and then lost everything that he thought would bring him peace. So guess what he had at that moment? No peace. And he realized that the only place that he could find true peace was back in his father's house, was back in his father's, back in his father's arms. And, and, and I, I just imagine the son coming, seeing his father running after him. And I don't know like, if the son began to run or, or maybe he didn't have the energy, the honor, the dignity to, to, to run, but the father ran after him. And so when I read Isaiah saying he's the everlasting father and I see the father in this story that he is waiting everlastingly on his son to come home so that the family can be whole, so that the son can, can, can experience peace. He would probably wake up in the morning and he would go stand on the hill and watch down the road and nothing. And then he would go home, go to bed, pray, wake up the same morning and do the same thing over and over. We don't know how long he did this waiting, everlasting for his son to come home. And his son came home and I just imagine the son just collapsing in his father's arms with, 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 with no more weight to carry, with no more strength to give, that, that everything that he was putting his hope in to bring him peace is now gone, and now there's nothing left, and he just falls and allows his father to embrace him, and what he could have done is he could have continued working, he could have tried to build wealth, but he came to himself because he realized this, and this is what I want us to realize, that true peace is found only in the presence of the father. And we will, guys, we'll go through scripture and we'll talk through things and, and, and how we can strengthen ourselves to have peace and walk with peace and enjoy enduring peace. But for you and I, it all has to start with coming back to the Father and just allowing him to embrace us. And the son realized that. And sometimes, and this is the hard part, is sometimes God allows us to get to that place to where there's nothing left except to turn and go back to the Father's house. And it can be a long road there. It can be a short road there. But the Father didn't say when he got there, where have you been? Where's my money? What have you done? And sometimes that's what keeps us from coming back to God is because we are afraid he will not accept us because of what we've done. Whether you've been following Jesus and in relationship and, and, and maybe you drift from God over time, and you think, man, it's been six months. God wouldn't, like, he wouldn't take me back. It's been a year. God, he doesn't know. He, why would he? It's been five years. Wherever the road has taken you, all that you need is a moment where you come to yourself and you realize the peace that you had in the presence of your father. And what the father did, he gave him a coat. He restored his dignity. He put shoes on his feet. He honored his presence there. 
and he put a ring on his finger, restoring his identity as a son of the house. And see, when you come back into the presence of the Father, he does those things without you doing anything. He restores your dignity. He honors you. He restores your identity as, as a child, not of Avenue Church, but of God's kingdom as an heir to all that is his. And we have peace through this unmerited favor and unconditional love of an everlasting father. And he got back there to make peace with his father. And so for you and I, how do we get back there? How do we get back there to experience that peace that, that maybe at one time we felt or maybe that we've never felt at all? How do we get back there? This is what the son did. This is what we can do as he went back to the last place he was in his father's presence. For him, that was home. That was house. For you, what is that for you? When was the last time that you truly felt God's presence? When was the last time? Was it on a Sunday morning in, in, in God's house with God's people? Was it a time at your house in God's word with worship music playing? Was it a time in your car? When was the last time you honestly, absolutely felt God's presence? Don't move forward, move back. Go back to that. I'm not saying completely recreate it, but, but take yourself back there. For me, it just takes sometimes moments just putting on some worship music and just literally laying in my floor, closing my eyes and everything, drowning out everything around me, just saying, God, I need you in this moment right now. I remember the first time that I felt like I had to do that as a 24, 25-year-old. I was a director of housing at Lambeth University in Jackson. At 25 years old, I was in charge of 2,000 students moving in, which means about three to 4,000 parents, <laughs> okay? The, the college students I could handle. The parents, they were a struggle because they wanted everything just right. And I remember saying, God, I am out of my league. And I went back to my apartment, which was in the basement of the girls' dorm, and I just remember just collapsing on the bed saying, God, I just need you in this moment. Like, I've got an incredible job. I love what I do. We're a part of a church plant. Things are going well. But right now, God, I am without peace. And I just remember collapsing, knees on the floor, head on the bed. And I've done that multiple times during this church plant. And over the last couple of weeks, it's just things just seem to be racking up. Where for you can you go back to to experience God's peace? back into God's presence. And so maybe, like there's, there, there's actually another character in the story that, that we don't talk about a whole lot. Um, so maybe you're not the younger son who, who has left God's presence and, and left everything that God has had for you and wants for you. There's another character in the story and it's the older brother and he's been in the house the whole time. And when his younger brother comes home, his younger brother comes home and, and he sees the father celebrating over the younger brother and he comes to the dad. He's like, dad, I've been here the whole time. Where's my party? I've been working for you this whole time. Where's my party? You know what he's saying? He's like, God, I don't have peace. He's saying, father, I don't, I don't have peace. He's been in the house, in God's presence, in his father's presence, but his father wasn't in his heart. And, and so here's, here's what, what, what I know is sometimes we can be in the house, but he's not in our heart. And so maybe you're attending church, you're going through the motions, you're going through the routine, and you're in the house, but he's not in your heart. 
we got to come back and allow him in our heart, in his presence, and him in our heart. And so for, for those of us that are here today, like, is your life going pretty well? You don't have anything dumb happening? You're in church, you're serving, but it's, it's become a routine and not a relationship. You're in the house, but is he in your heart? And I had this thought this morning, we, we have to have intimacy with God, not just proximity of God. And proximity just means closeness, like within, within the area. How is your intimacy with God? And so we sing this song, and, and, and I texted Jonathan this week. It's like, look, it's, I really feel like some of us in this season, instead of running full force into a busy schedule and shopping and all these other things, some of us, we just need to run back to the Father. And we need to take that mentality, the prodigal son, to come to ourselves in this moment. And, and before we can have peace within and peace with those around us and peace with, with different seasons in our life, we need to make sure we have peace with our Heavenly Father. And so I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up and I'm gonna ask you to get out of your comfort zone. I'm gonna ask you as, as, as they come and prepare, where are you at in relation to being in God's presence? Where are you at in proximity or in intimacy? Are you in the house, but he's not in your heart or are you away from the house trying to make everything work trying to make everything happen, trying to fulfill all these goals, these lists, these to have, to be, to do, to become. You're fulfilling those, you're checking them off, but you're still unfulfilled. There's still a piece missing because you're missing peace. And so as they sing, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to go to the back just so you can be alone with God, do that. If you want to come to the altar and just be at the altar at this place, at this presence, just to close everything else out. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, I want you to do what you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to do to get back into the presence of God. But I want us to do this. I want us to start just by standing. I want us to start just by standing with, with, with hands opened, hearts open, eyes closed, distractions removed, and complete surrender and knowing that real peace only comes when we're in the presence of an everlasting Father. So Father, we come to you this morning in the beginning of this season. God, you know every heart in this room. God, you know every desire. God, you know every heart. You know every story. God, there are some of us in this room that we've taken what you have for us and we've wasted it. some of us in this room we've, we've stayed in the house but maybe we're carrying bitterness and hurt because you haven't showed up in ways that we wished you would have you haven't came through for us like we've seen you come through for other people and so we're in the house but you're really not in our heart 
we're stuck in a routine loop of just doing what we know to do. But God, even as we sing over the next few moments of running to you as our everlasting Father, God, I pray that you would spark something in us. to go away with you in moments, to hide away with you in moments, to go back to a word that you've given us, a passage that you've given us, a song that, that we felt you experienced you, not that we, we run our relationship with you merely on feelings. pray right now that just with every hand lifted, with every hand opened of, of every burden and worry and doubt and animosity and everything that we hold on to that is replacing the peace you want to put in our heart, God, I pray that we surrender that at the feet of the Father and that we take your coat that surrounds us, we take the ring of identity that you want to put, put not just on our hands but in our heart. So, Father, only you know. And I ask your spirit to minister in ways that I can't, into places that I can't see, that no one sees. God, that you would do what only you can do in these next few moments to bring everlasting peace. It's in Jesus' name.